Yo, Katie, tell them what they're about to listen to. Welcome back, guys. And this is the conclusion of my chat with Emmanuel Anyamosigwe. I've got a lot of feedback about part one, and I can't wait to share part two with you guys. Enjoy. Every year I'm hungry about buff. How do you kind of build on what you've done the year before? You know, for us, in 2017 with the festival, we were at the BT Tower. In 2018, we opened the festival with our own feature film. In 2020, we're on Apple. So, you know, with each passing year, you see how big buff gets. And that's not withstanding the BAFTA recognition and the MBE, which we've not really talked about yet. But this is what's happened in the last five years. Yeah. And a lot of that, a lot of that is down to my wife, um, mm. who has supported my grind from day one. Yeah. And it's very important that you find people who just support you no matter what. But Definitely. also, they bring something to the table that's going to enhance the value that you're already bringing. Like I said, there was only one Black Film Festival at the time, but no one was adding real value to it and and it, it's it's but but that's the funny thing isn't it it's like again back to the table thing it's like you have you have an audience right a, a potential a potential audience and then you create a table but there are two things lacking and it could be lack of a different reason it could just be interest the interest of the visionary is not there or or, mm. or expertise and it, which in this case is just a business acumen to see mm. through on so many levels, marketing, strategy, all of that. So that's not really, that's not the forefront of the desire of the visionaire. And also the audience itself, like is the audience even big enough to, to because we mentioned Ben and OB and all that, but are they, are they as big as they need to be as, you know, as, as, as establishments? Are they, is that, is that the biggest they can ever be? Because these are not really huge but um, why, why should that be? Why should that be a question as mm. to whether there's a ceiling to their potential? No, but that's the thing. There shouldn't be a ceiling. Like they, yeah. they shouldn't be. It should be as big as, for example, Tyler Perry. You can, and and again, using Buff as well. Like you've literally been talking about how you've grown in lips and bounds. And if you look at Tyler Perry as well, how he's grown. Like a few years ago, he had a smaller studio. Now he's got this huge base and only god knows what the next five years would be so what we see for most black organization is this the the growth we can't really see it in lips and bounds and it's not and they're not that many that's the thing they're not that many black organizations but even the ones we see we don't see this lips and bounds and is it because mm. going back to what mark said is it because the black audience are they driving the 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 consumption or is it that the business argument is just not there. It's not high enough or, or what is it? What is that formula that not all the black businesses are feeding from that very few have, you know, I think for me, it's, it's quite, I don't know if, I, I think, don't know if you get I, what I'm I saying. Think, I think it's, it, because historically black people have been oppressed for so long, mm. more often than not, they just take, what's put in front of them as if that's the gospel mm. um, where the likes of Buff, Tyler Perry other um, 
successful black creators and organisations stand out is that mm. attention to detail mm. Mm. Um, and just doing the simple things brilliantly. Got you. I'm mm. just very narrow-minded and single-minded in many ways with Buff and its purpose. And obviously when you have someone like Claire, uh, mm. who is my wife, yeah. but he's also got a great marketing brain mm. uh, and has been very successful in other fields, uh, not just in film. So when you have that, you know, it's almost as if the last five years has uh, not been an accident really. You know, yeah. we've just gone from strength to strength. In mm. the height of, you know, the pandemic, um, someone at Apple started following me on LinkedIn, mm. uh, which is like surreal. It's like, why would you be following me on LinkedIn? <laughs> um, but at that time, I'd not decided what to do with Buff uh, as okay. a festival. Still need two minds as to whether to play it out and hopefully get a cinema later in the year or mm. go virtual. Um, I mean, in many ways, Buff has always been pivoting. Okay. You know, with, with BT back in 2017, BT had its own platform, BT TV Store. Mm-hmm. And part of the sponsorship we had with BT in 2017 was after the festival that the films would end up on BT TV store. Sure. So the prototype was already there for Buff Films after the festival to mm. be shown on a streaming service. Mm. So we're already ahead of the game, you know, but obviously for various reasons that never materialized. Okay. Um, but with Apple, um, I guess once I reached out to them to find out why they were following. Oh, wow. Interesting. In that moment, I said, I need a home for the festival. Can mm. you help? Mm. And they said yes. Um, nice. But unbeknown to me, when we then started our first proper in-depth dialogue, they already started doing their diligence and research on Buff. Nice. And what they realised was that Buff was the only organisation that they saw mm. that was really banging the drum for diversity. So they offered initially they were going to offer me uh, my own channel uh, on that kind of like a pop-up shop yeah uh, branded buff to literally show buff films Mm -hmm. um but they didn't quite have the resources to put that together because apple at that time had just rebranded to apple tv um it was itunes for a lot of the time yeah but only the last 18 to 18 months to two years it's now known as apple tv Mm. so they were kind of going through their kind of rebranding phase so in many ways having buff as part of that helped their pr um but also it was the recognition of what i was doing which gave me a lot of satisfaction um obviously i uh got the mbe as well yeah um at that time the bafta recognition wasn't coming but yet the BAFTA story was out there. Um, and so I was there thinking, you would think calling out BAFTA, the last people you're going to hear from are Is corporate organisations. Yeah, you're thinking, yeah. It's consistency, you know, isn't it? It's consistency because... I mean, it is consistency as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because the truth is, at the end of the day, they they want a leader, they want a visionary. The thing is, especially when it comes to diversity, they don't want, they want to be with people who have been running the course for a very long time, authenticity, you know, and mm. they want to say, look, with this, these are 
people. These are not these are not just green people. These are people that are super experienced in the field. These are people that are true to the calling. These this is their track record, and we want to learn mm. from these people. You know, we mm. don't we, we don't want to. We, these are people who are very strong voices, and I think the fact you called out BAFTA and the rest of it showed that you could stand on your own two feet. You know. Mm. You're not just going yeah. to toe the line. So for them, it felt like a perfect match. So you started Buff, right? I mean, there are two things I wanted to find out even more, like what it really drives and inspire you. And we're going to talk about your upbringing. But you started Buff off the back of your experience with BFM, the Black Filmmaker yes. Magazine. So just, just take us through your journey with Buff in, in a nutshell and why, why you thought that it was so important for you to have the festival at that stage and also when Claire came in because I think there was a, there was a time she came in and she yes. said something when we talked about it that it you know it, it was she helped it build it to a world-class brand pretty much so I just want to hear about your journey from the BFM so from BFM so I guess one of the primary motivations for setting up Buff was an experience I had with one filmmaker in particular Mm. where um, every year at BFM, they ended the festival with their short film awards. Okay. Um, and there was one uh, short film in particular, uh, which I, I thought was a great, was a great, great short. Mm. Um, and the public seemed to think so as well, but it didn't win the main award. It came runner-up. Mm. Um, no, so I've got it, got it the other way around. It actually won the audience award, okay. but the actual sponsorship went to the runner-up. Oh, to really? Decide, the filmmakers like, how how does that work? Yeah, how am I not getting the money from the sponsor? Yet the audience has voted this the winning film. So that okay. was the motivation to kind of say to that filmmaker, and I'm obviously being a choice with my words here because sure, me and this sure. filmmaker don't talk anymore. Um, okay. <clears throat> But I said to him at the time, if I ever set up my own film festival, I'm going to show your film. I'm going to support you all the way. This experience is just, again, I said earlier, there's not much that I can do if it's not my organization or not me running it. But if I was ever in a position, again, one of those experiences at BFM that just kind of fortified my conviction that Buff was going to do I mean, obviously, at the time when you're setting up Buff, you don't know just how influential, how powerful, how great it could be as okay. a vehicle. Mm. But I was just driven by the experiences of BFM to know that if I was in that position, I would never wrong um, that person in that particular way. And obviously, mm. the two instances that I've mentioned um, that I felt wronged, um, but I had to do something about it. Mm. So for most of my life, you know, those experiences have been wrong. I've had to find a way to channel it into something positive because for mm. most people, they take the other option, which is obviously not good. Yeah, yeah. They just yeah. Rage and all that. yeah. They, they go into another industry or they settle for an easy life. They don't mm. really want They get scarred, battle-weary, all, all those words you could think of. Mm. And yet here I was going in the other direction, just literally being continuously fueled by the experiences of black people mm-hmm. just kind of saying to myself no more no more no more i need to represent better mm. so 
with that short film in particular, I said to the filmmaker, hmm. turn it into a feature. Okay. Turn it into a feature and I'll show it at Buff. It wasn't called Buff at the time, but I said, I'll show it at my festival. And this was, you, you've not even started your festival. Was this? No. no okay, this so was, this two, was still this in your head. 2003. Okay. That I had this conversation with the filmmaker. I said, turn this short into a feature. Mm. He made the feature nine years later. Ooh. Nine, nine years later. Um, I started Buff in 2005. Okay. Um, I just graduated from Thames Valley University. Mm. Um, and at that time, I was acting president of our African Caribbean Society. At the university, okay. At the university. And because mm. we were based in West London, we were in the vicinity of Earl's Court. Okay. Um, which was the venue, the setting for the Urban Music Festival. Mm. Which was founded by the Prince's Trust, okay. founded by Prince Charles. Um, so, because as a as a society we were aware of this event, our students' union we lobbied for the ACS to be part of the Urban Music Festival. Mm. So we were able to get tickets to the festival, um, and I had a friend with me at the time, and we kind of marveled at 16,000 people in a room, mainly black mm. people, mm. and there were no fights, you know, <laughs> no deaths, or no kind of no, madness. None of that madness, yeah. Uh, you had Akon in his pomp, mm. um, Will Smith in his pomp, mm. and I'm looking at my friend thinking, how is one white guy, how is Prince Charles making all this happen? Mm. Why can't we do something? You know, again, to your point that you said earlier and has raised, you know, why can't black people do something like this? Yeah. It can't be that hard, surely. Mm. And obviously, I was, I just left BFM, so I was kind of still kind of thinking. And and you you, you didn't leave BFM on a good note, or was it like just amicable? Okay, so there's a gap here. So after I left BFM, mm. when I felt that I could do no more, mm. I then... Because also what happened when I left was Charles Thompson, um, who was one half of BFM when I joined, Mm. um, came up with uh, the awards concept, which is now known as Screen Nation. Okay. When when I was at BFM, it was known as the BFM Film and TV Awards. Oh, okay. And I I was part of the first awards, which took place at the Grosvenor uh, Place Hotel. Okay. And Eric LaSalle who was Dr. Benton in ER, the black mm-hmm. doctor. Yeah. So he had made a film and he flew in to receive an award for that. So that was massive at the time. Yeah. Brendan Madness was the host. The who's who of black film and TV were there. So it's a really big deal. And BFM mm. had really pushed the boat out. I mean, it was more Charles. It was kind of really Charles's brainchild. Mm. Um, Nick, as I've intimated, is not into all of the celebrity. So Melanick so, was like the storyteller extraordinaire and Charles was the business guy. Yes. Marketeer. Okay. Yes. But mm. Charles in his own right is a producer as well. So okay. he had creative and the business. Oh, Melanick okay. was more creative than business, even though obviously they both together set up the magazine. Sure. Um, but after that very first uh, film awards, um, I wasn't there at the time, mm. but Charles then left BFM to set up Screen Nation. Mm. Uh, um, 
I believe 2003 was the first year of Screen Nation. Mm-hmm. Um, I was still at BFM at the time. So I had left BFM just after, and then mm-hmm. Screen Nation had their first award ceremony. Then in 2004, um, I then joined Screen Nation because I had obviously had no affiliation, so I could literally join Screen Nation. Yeah. Worked on the awards for a year. Charles got me to kind of develop uh, West African uh, film categories. Okay. Um, and I made a show which you mentioned in the introduction called Best from the West. Just mm-hmm. uh, broadcast on Sky where we showcased um, kind of the up and coming, really hot African talent coming out of Nigeria, Ghana, and various other places. Mm-hmm. So you had people like Richard Moffrey, Dami Joe. Mm-hmm. doing big things at the time yeah uh, well uh, it will come to me but yeah so okay. it, that, that was big at the time and I know that we were trying to get some of them over um, Stella Damasius that's another one I was thinking of yeah trying to get them over to London to attend uh, the Screen Nation Awards and Danny yeah. Glover was kind of the main guest that year Danny Glover yeah um, and then on the night of Screen Nation uh, 2004 this was um, I was literally running the event okay which is surreal you know uh, there was lots of structural issues with the organisation at the time okay um, most of it I wasn't aware of I just knew that the show had to go on yeah um, so I was kind of literally coordinating the award ceremony in 2004 from 6 in the morning till about 4 5 in the afternoon Wow. I was literally holding everything together. Um, and again, it's one of those experiences uh, that I kind of channeled into Buff in that mm. if I was ever to do an award ceremony, I would never allow it get to that level where literally there were people working on the ceremony that weren't being fed, mm. not given breakfast. Wow. Uh, a very surreal experience, you know. This mm. was at the Sheraton in Park Lane. Wow. Um, I wasn't getting answers. Everyone was looking at me. So I had to use my own kind of credit card and got everyone Oof. lunch at McDonald's around the corner. It was very surreal. It was suddenly occurring to me that people are not being paid here. But wow. I couldn't allow myself to just kind of... Was this the first edition or was this like... Um... This was the second. Second edition. Yeah, yeah 2004, yeah. Uh. So obviously when you're at Sheraton Park Lane, you've got Danny Glover coming, you're thinking money's not an issue. I know, man. This is... <laughs> That's what you're thinking. <laughs> uh, but then obviously the moment I spent £400 Ooh. buying everyone's breakfast, that's when it occurred to me that there's something awry here. Yeah, I yeah, didn't yeah. really, I didn't really push um, some of the key people involved too hard uh, because in many ways I was in awe and was kind of respecting You're trying to prove yourself, wasn't it, as well? Exactly, exactly. Mm. Um, and it was a privilege to be part of it, I think, more than anything, because there wasn't that many events like a Screen Nation. Mm. It's what um, Victor said to me last time I spoke to him, we all need to support Screen Nation. Sure. You know, and this, this is back in 2004 we're talking about. And yeah. yet this was Victor saying the same thing in 2017, 2018. Mm. So in in the course of 14 years, that sentiment is still there mm-hmm. to support because we have to. 
when why can't we just support things because it's their own merit? Sure. You know, but for me, with Bath, I always made sure if I was ever going to do an awards ceremony, I would never cut any corners. The event would run on time. Everyone would be fed. Mm. So everything that we did at Bath, to the outsider, seemed perfect. It was brilliant. It was wonderful. Mm. They've mm. never seen anything like it. To me, it was just simple. It had to be. It's, it was standard. Standard, yeah. How would yeah, you not yeah. go to an awards ceremony and not expect to be fed? Sure, sure, sure. So for me, it was these are standard things. But obviously, to the people that have been to our awards ceremonies, they've never seen anything like it. So I was just kind of like, in my own head, thinking, I guess you don't know what I've gone through, but you know. <laughs> so at, at what point did you make that exit from Screen Nation to now... And was it at that time at Screen Nation that you promised this filmmaker that, look, if you make a feature, I would put it on my festival? Was it at that point? No. So okay. that point came in 2012. So this is seven years after Buff had started. So right, right. when I launched Buff in 2005, I showed this filmmaker one of his short films right, um, okay, in, okay. Our, in our opening event at ITV. And this was after Screen Nation. You, you left this Screen Nation. This was Screen Nation. So I left okay. Screen Nation um, 2005. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, the kind of eureka moment at the Urban Music Festival to then come up with an urban film festival. Nice. So again, environment. I see, I see it, yeah. The environment coming back. So Urban Music. So Prince Charles. Prince Charles. Got to give Prince Charles some, uh, some thumbs up. For inspiration. And it's a full circle with that. Um, oh, wow. There you go. The as we now know. <laughs> Obviously, I didn't know that at the time, but that was 15 years ago. So, yeah, so that's where the name came from. And mm. calling it urban, I guess, had more meaning because there was a white guy uh, literally appropriating the word urban. Yeah. So for a black guy to then appropriate that word, I didn't see a problem with it. I guess some people did, which is why over the years we've maybe had some pushbacks from people who felt, why should I be part of Buff? There were even some people that thought Buff was run by a white person and was the oh, reason really? why I made a film to Buff. And they came to that conclusion because Buff looked too clean. It looked too corporate. It was too slick. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It, it didn't occur to them that a black person could do such a thing to have something so slick and corporate. It's a sad perception, isn't it? It's a really, it really sad perception. It is. Mm. But um, again, I just used that as a badge of honor, just reminding myself that I'm doing something right here. If these are the reactions that I'm getting, just imagine how popular we get, what the reaction would be then, you mm. know? So 2005, launched the festival at ITV. In those first seven years, um, I made the festival free to attend because I had to establish the audience again because obviously this was under a new um, <coughs> name of Buff. BFA, mm. as it turned out, disbanded. I can't remember what year, but mm. it, essentially it ran out of gas. Uh, Menlik's daughter, Nadia, was festival director for a few years. Mm. Um, but ultimately, a lot of good people that were at BFA at the time had left. Sure. Because structurally things were not right, as I've said. Menlik wasn't a business person, so you're not going to stay long, are you? 
no, in an no. organisation like that, let alone an organisation like BFM. Um, obviously, with Screen Nation, my experience that year was quite scarring. I couldn't see myself doing another year like that. Yeah. So 2005 was the perfect time to launch Buff. Um, establish the audience by making it free um, and then ultimately I had to get the festival paid for um, how were so you paying I, for it because that's because it was free so you're not yes. receiving any income from because okay first of all how do festivals even make money they don't <laughs> they don't it's 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 a great it, festivals are calling cards essentially and for it's, who, it's interesting well, for me, growing mm. up, I, I always wanted to be a director. Sure. So I, I wanted to be Steven Spielberg. Mm. That that was that was the guy that was making me want to fall in love in film. I wanted mm. to be Steven Spielberg. I wanted mm. to be Rupert Murdoch. I yeah. didn't see a black person at that point, or it wasn't shown to me that there were people like Bill Cosby. Mm, uh, mm. wanted to and buy NBC and we didn't even know? know that's the thing though we, we just saw know. Bill Cosby as an actor like a comedian we didn't know how powerful he was behind the scenes exactly like yeah, yeah. but it's crazy because when I when I did watch the Cosby show I saw his name in the end credits not mm-hmm. just as an actor mm-hmm. but as a producer yeah so I'm thinking oh so he produced this mm. okay interesting Mm. Um, and then with Fresh Prince of Bel-Air I saw Will Smith's name in later years yeah Medina and the rest yeah Benny Medina Mm. and then in later years these people are actually you know dons in their crafts sure sure. in the 80s and 90s but again it wasn't we weren't exposed to this no no no. Um, for me it was Steven Spielberg and Rupert Murdoch Mm. Um, so in those seven years like I said money Mortgage the house. Mm. Um, crazy. You, you, mortgage, you mortgage your house to, to fund a festival for seven years. Yeah. Wow. Didn't tell my parents because Ooh. as Igbo parents... This the was their house, right? This was their house with... Well, my name was on the deeds in 2004. Right, right, so right. That gave me carte blanche to max out credit cards. Jeez, man. And convince them to remortgage the house <laughs> and then use that money to put out the festival year in, year out. Did you, did so you, that, how, how did you do it? How did you, how were you able to convince, like, okay, just take me through that soap opera episode where they found out you'd remortgaged and you've been maxing out credit cards. Because these are Igbo parents, for, and, and just to the audience. Igbo parents, Nigerian parents are not your run-of-the-mill parents. Like, they, they can they can raise hell at a snap of a finger. Like, literally, anything you can imagine, they could do it just to put some, the fear of God in you. There's a poem by, uh, is it Philip Larkin? Uh, okay. Where it goes, they F up, uh, they F you up, your mum and dad, your parents, mm, or worse mm. to that effect. It's a very famous mm. poem, but it's so true. Especially mm. with Igbo parents. Yeah. So <coughs> those first seven years, we didn't charge submission, um, mm. mortgage the house. Yeah. Um, approached Film London for several years for money. The one year that they gave us money, I think it was fifteen hundred pounds they gave us. Wow. Only fifteen pounds. And what, it what, came uh, with conditions. Uh, oh, oh really? So not only was it just a small amount of money, but it came with conditions in that we had to do the festival in December. 
and nobody goes to a film festival in December. Why so, December? What was the rationale? I, I, it was never explained to me. Oh, I'll wow. have to go back into <laughs> lockdown because I've still got the application. <laughs> Dusted I, remember, I remember how I felt at the time. And again, another scarring experience that I had to channel into mm. something positive. And I said to myself, I will never go cap in hand to the industry for money to support Buff ever again. Got you. Sorry. Even so, to this day, I have a natural inclination not to approach your BFIs or whoever to support Buff because of that one experience. But also to just say to myself that I can do this by myself. Sure. And I convinced myself that there'd be enough people to support me and back me. You know, one of those people being my wife. Mm, which mm. I met through off in later years. And and and, and sorry, at, at this time, right, try this whole mortgaging thing, what was the conversation you were, you were having with your parents? Were they, when you told them, look, you know, I've put some money from the house into this festival, how are they feeling about it? Did they, were they in support? So what happened with that was, was this in, this was 2000 and, oh, what year was it? Either 2012 or 2013, I believe it was 2011. Mm. Mm. 2011. Yes, so I took the f- festival to the West End for the first time. Mm. And this is when it was still free. So we had the festival that year at the TUC Congress House, Trade Union Congress, their main headquarters okay. in Tottenham Court Road. Mm. And because it was at the West End, Mummy um, and Daddy had a reason to dress up in their gala and their... <laughs> That's all this time that we're not even aware what was going on. No, because, because back then the festival was consciously not mm. in the West End to, again, sure. to appeal to people who felt marginalised. Sure. So there was a deliberate decision by me to host the festival in places like Bethnal Green, mm. like Tottenham in 2010. Um, because again that's where historically a lot of black people lived and worked even to this day you still find black people in these areas so this is where I was able to identify black audiences and help that obviously in turn that helped grow buff in -hmm. terms of the following Mm -hmm. but in 2012 I decided um, through one of our board members at the time uh, Rosemary McDonald who Mm. knew people at uh, the Trade Union Congress to do the festival there. So yeah. it was through her that we were able to do the festival there. And I used that opportunity um, to say to mommy and daddy, come to the West End, come to Buff to the festival. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously when they came... Which you've, been, which you've been sponsoring, but you didn't know. <laughs> exactly. So they came there and oh, literally... One of our interns, uh, yeah. one Asian uh, girl, curtsied in front of mummy. Oh, wow. So obviously my mum, her head's kind of exploding here. Like, hey, see this ah. girl. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's making me feel like a queen here. Okay, so this is the UK. Okay, okay. So obviously she's really impressed. This is her oh, first live yeah, her first live experience of Buff, and she mm. she's getting a curtsy. Nice. So, so I see this curtsy, thinking this is the moment to tell them. Because mm. um, obviously they're looking 
at the venue, they're seeing a thousand people mm. all coming to Bath because of me. Mm. So mm. obviously they're getting highly impressed, thinking, mm-hmm. okay, and you're not making any money for how are you how are you making money? You're not charging tickets. Uh, but you're giving them food. You get they're getting drink. They're getting. But but you had like day jobs <laughs> during during the seven years, no? Yeah, no. I had two or three day jobs. I was in telesales. I was a floor manager at McDonald's. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I yeah. was doing enough, you know, yeah. to kind of get by. Yeah. Um, I even asked um, my family back in Nigeria for some financial help. Uh, they never came through in the mm. end. Mm. Uh, I thought they would, but obviously they've got priorities as well, not just sure. obviously through their businesses, but family as well. Sure. But, you know, even to this day, I still think they could have helped. You know, you'd like to think with that lineage that they would help. That's what I'm saying. In, in but, the UK. Yeah. It's still something I think about, but, you know, at the time, I just thought, mm. again, another kind of scarring experience that I had to channel. Yeah. But in many ways, with these channeling of scarring experiences, because you made it your own way, there's a greater satisfaction. Uh So you don't have that many people to thank. (laughs) Or of the people people that you thank, you can cut them off the back of one hand. So for me, it's Claire... It's mommy and daddy, obviously, uh-huh. um, and my immediate family, you know, and other people that were there at the beginning who are now not part of it anymore for various reasons. Yeah. You know, so th- there have been some key people that have been part of th- uh, the growth of Buff and obviously and that, my family. And that's even, and that's it. I've been a part of it. And that's even, that's even more special, you know? So, so now, so now m- mommy sees this uh, intern curtsy and she's blown away and she looks at this whole place and then yeah did you is that what you I revealed <laughs> this is interesting well she actually asked me um who's paying for this mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and i said to her that my name's on the mortgage so, so i've been using the mortgage money Ooh. and then before i even finish the sentence she's going as a child, when you hear chinekele, you know the next, you know, you know something's about to happen. But because this was in a public place, <laughs> they couldn't do anything. So she she slowly turned her head to daddy to kind of like, Amy, what are we going to do? This boy is bankrupting. He's going to finish us. I can't, I can't take the embarrassment. Hmm. See, in that hmm. moment, she just went back to type, you know. Hmm. Hmm. I wasn't expecting to be beaten up, but it just, hmm. it hmm. felt cold from yeah. one short moment. Yeah. But then the next response was kind of like, I wasn't expecting it. So, you know, they kind of looked at everything and said, we're going to support you because it's oh, wow. clear that no matter how hard we try and convince you to become a doctor or one of those white collar jobs, mm. clearly this gives you a lot of joy and clearly all these people are supporting you and they're coming out and they're liking everything that you're doing. So I guess in that moment they kind of felt you're our child. We should be supporting you, you know, because 
you know, it just stands to reason. Um, uh-huh. And I think it was in 2013 that Dilidri said that they would make it... Uh, I mean, my kind of timeline is a bit fuzzy just because of the fact that they passed away very suddenly. And Sure, sure. I understand. Also, I, I remember these conversations vividly, but the timeline is a bit kind of sketchy. Mm. But um, the conversation is will always be there, and like the fact that they said that they were going to support it fully, um, wow. even though I mortgaged uh, the house. I guess they trusted me in that moment to hold the family name up very high, sure. which is obviously very important. Mm. Um, as for the money, I mean, I'm sure Claire talked about it in her podcast mm. with me. Yeah. Um, but, you know... I guess I didn't do buff for the money. I I did it for the reputation, mm. not just um, from a personal point of view, but from a wider point of view. What we've talked about with yeah, legacy, yeah, the legacy. Black people, black creators in the UK. What is there to shout about to say? Oh, I've been part of buff. I can mm. vouch for buff. They mm. did this for me. They only do good things for people. They've. I'll never have a bad word said about Buff. Mm, mm. So when I call that Buff, obviously that outpouring just kind of magnified in that. So Definitely. You know, so, you know, all these things, you know, it's just been the culmination of consistency, of character, and just kind of channeling experiences that would have befallen lesser people. Oh, Definitely. Um, Definitely, definitely. So, you know, it's not for the faint of heart. I've never advised anyone to do what I've done. It's it's just, I guess me and Claire come from a different breed of entrepreneur where Mm. all we have is vision. Um, But coupled with that is purpose. Um, And that analogy of being a shepherd. Yeah. You know, these sheep that are lost, but they you know that they want to find a way or they need to find a way but mm. they don't quite know who to turn to but that's so the thing though buff, they know that with buff they know what mm. they're going to get and I think that gives me a lot of comfort uh, that they know what buff now represents they now know what it means it's it's a bigger it's a bigger goal and that drives if you, if you notice with most people that are visionaries there's always something way bigger than them and even their world <clears throat> something they couldn't even think they could achieve within their lifetime and the fact that they want to just keep pushing and seeing how far they can accomplish before mm. their deathbed and and that's powerful you know it's like yeah, Bill definitely. Gates yeah Bill Gates saying every every computer in every home in every like at that time that was unheard of every yeah. computer in every home like who who would think of that magnitude you know yeah, I mean, um, ideally your legacy should outlive you like, sure. that's what they say so yeah 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 yeah, yeah I, I mean, guess in many ways that's no, what that's, that's... will turn out to be you know god knows if buff was not here <coughs> what the industry would be like i do no, think definitely no 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 but you need you need to you need to acknowledge what you've done as well because the truth of the matter is you've created opportunities for people to have their films shown to a certain amount of people now that with the Apple TV situation now that you've got this aggregator um, relationship with them um, I think just to even get more insight into who you are because this what you said is you and Claire being from a different stock it's almost as if 
we need to give hope to people who <laughs> who mm. are not from that stock. Now, is it a case of because your upbringing? Obviously, you've, you've you've touched a bit on it, and we can see we can see the remnants. You know, mm. is it a case of do you think do you think do you think people like you and Claire could be made based on just mentoring? Do you have to have the life experience that you guys had to achieve what you've achieved? Um, could it be taught? Could it? No, I think I think what it is is identifying patterns. Mm. Um, I know I'm being cryptic here, but I I talked earlier about all of us, black people, mm. white people, all people. We mm. all have an advantage. Mm. Um, and it's important that we identify that advantage as soon as possible. Mm. Um, so, like I said, black people have got a lot of unfair advantages. How do you use those advantages? Mm. You know, the clues in the name, you need to use your advantage. So for me, and for Claire, um, Claire more than me, I would say, mm. she used her unfair advantage of, for her, being in the care system, um, having Candida as a child mm. and having to find solution because mm. she knew that she wouldn't find it over the counter in a shop mm. um, the experience of her customers as a mm. dermatologist telling her I want to bleach my skin white can you create this cream for me and her on ethical grounds saying mm. no mm. and then packing her business in and then channeling that experience into her screenplay, mm. which is now afforded her awards, recognition, legacy, being to date the sixth black British female director to mm. secure theatrical distribution. Mm-hmm. Um, it's identifying patterns, like I said. It's about knowing that you have an unfair disadvantage and using that advantage. I think that's the one thing that I can impart to everyone listening to this podcast is to identify the advantage that you have Mm. and to channel that advantage wherever and whenever you can. And Mm. the sooner you do that, the more the opportunities open up. They become so easy. You think, why didn't I think of that before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, you know, I guess for all of us, you know, I guess our name, what our parents call us, Mm. is the first part of that, you know, advantage. My name is Chukwemeka Emmanuel Anyamusigwe. Emmanuel means God is with us. Yeah. Anyamusigwe, the lineage is Mm. of, you know, royalty. You know, so Mm. those two combined, me being the first son, the first child, I was born five days before Christmas, my mum is the daughter of a reverend. Um, I was bound to be called Emmanuel. Yeah. Um, and I guess in many ways, I was destined to be great because of mm. what mummy imparted in me through her upbringing. Mm-hmm. Um, and just from the environment of watching television and watching a particular channel which kind yeah. of brought out so much in me as a child mm. but i've channeled that experience to this to this very day the whole point of having an advantage is someone else doesn't have it true so 
for you that then has that advantage, you you would be silly not to use it. So uh-huh. that's what is kind of that's something, especially during the pandemic, that I've kind of appreciated a whole lot more. Yeah, you know, yeah. having these advantages, and it's kind of made me a better person in terms of who I am. Uh-huh. It's made me appreciate buff a lot more. Yeah, and it it's also meant that I can think big picture in terms of passing it on to someone else. There are people now working with buff who potentially could step up to succeed me um, over the coming years, which would be great because now I can then focus on you know um, original production. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to do some writing because um, mm-hmm. clearly I've got a lot to say. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of that I've put across in this podcast, but there's a lot more that I've not said. Oh man, this 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 um, gin- had a death I, threat in 2009. I've not even what? told you about that. Wow, who who wanted to take you out? To this day, I don't know. Are you serious? So this was an anonymous death threat. I've I've still got the email. Wow, and what I've was it the- about? What was what were they what were they saying? What were what were they targeting? What part of your life was a threat to them? Because they usually mention something. No, it was just a general message, basically saying, "How's your little film festival going? Uh, uh, I'm going to chop you in the head with a machete six times." Wow. Um, I was trying to work out who it could be. Wow. Um, but then I guess I kind of deduced everyone and just came to the conclusion that it was some crazed person. But again. Wow. I saw it as a badge of honor that I was getting oh, someone's yeah. attention. You know, this was back in 2009, I believe it was. This was like your fourth year of the festival, wasn't it? Yeah, and here's mm. someone reaching out to me like that. Thinking, okay, so you care then? <laughs> well, let, let's put a positive spin now. Because, <laughs> so now, <laughs> just walking in your own lane, your vision, and just keep moving, and things come to your door because obviously. We're talking about Prince Charles. I'm not. I'm not even going to forget about this. So he was one of the inspirations behind Buff, the Auburn Music Festival. He started, and then 15 years later, you were you 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 meet the man again, and something magical happens. So just talk us through what happened and how you felt receiving that MBE. So November 2019. Uh, we just come back, me, Claire, we just come back from Amsterdam mm. uh, from a screening of No Shade and we came back to a letter mm. from the cabinet office. Mm. So as black people, we're, we're thinking the worst. <laughs> Are you getting a letter from the cabinet office? Well, not that we've done anything, but you, well, you, you, just, you, don't you, just, you just don't know. You just don't know. You just don't know. So I opened the letter because we all whilst, look alike. <laughs> whilst holding lavender. Okay. Um, and then as I read the letter I see my full name dear Mr. Chukwemeka Anya Musigwe so already my attention is like why are you calling me Chukwemeka mm. and then I I carry on reading um, you've been invited to accept uh, the member of the British Empire mm. and then I start shouting and laughing like a hyena <laughs> when I'm excited that's what I tend to do but the complete shot almost made me uh, drop lavender because literally I was still holding and reading the letter wow 
had to put lavender down and continue um, your hyena laughter indeed mm-hmm. and then obviously Claire's looking at me thinking what 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 yeah and I'm telling her I've been, I've been honoured by the Queen I said oh wow. my god that's incredible and then obviously the next thing I'm thinking because every year we have a kind of tradition around uh, New Year's time when mm. they release the honours list mm-hmm. which which black people in film and TV or which black people period are going to get honoured mm. you know so there's that issue about should black people accept honours as well and I said to Claire one day if I ever because I've never sought it but if I ever because someone has to put you forward yeah uh, for this and mm. I I discovered, I found out that three people put me forward. And what happens is over the course of two years, hmm. they they do a diligence check. So they kind of watch what you're doing in the industry. Hmm. Um, and I guess they speak to people before yeah. they decide to offer you um, the medal. Yeah. Because uh, obviously Claire's been on it, Claire was on it before me. So she'd gone through something similar. Yeah. Um, so obviously people have been watching me um, and then yeah so I had no hesitation in accepting the honour and then mm. I had to keep it a secret yeah, uh, which is the part of the custom and then on the night um, I could tell people uh, mm. on social media that I was being honoured mm. a day later um, there was another story in that the cabinet officer published the names and addresses Mm. Of everyone that was on it, so it was a massive data breach. Mm, mm. So potentially, I was going to sue the cabinet office because there were people <laughs> saying you could you could you could get damages for this. Yeah, uh, yeah. But nothing has happened. I think I, we got an apology. Mm. Uh, this is before BAFTA, mm. um, and to this day, uh, still nothing has come from that. I don't know whether mm. the case is still live or not. Mm. So. It was just kind of a mad 24 hours. So you announce your MP and then this massive data breach where everyone knows where you live, which is like... And then it really? becomes, yeah. So... Did you, okay, sorry. Yeah, no, go on. You are going to say... Yeah, yeah. No, no, but did you get to see Prince Charles again? I did. So mm. obviously you don't know who's going to give you the honour. Yeah. So it could, it could be one of four people. It could be William. It could be the Queen. It could be Charles or it could be uh, Princess Anne. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't tell you who it is until on the day. Yeah. Um, so obviously the f- the first three months of 2020 was getting ready for the MBE, but also mm-hmm. knowing that it was the 15th year of Buff, mm. so it was a great way to celebrate Buff. Yeah. Not just personally, but just as a as a film festival that it's found it's going to be honoured for services to the black and minority ethnic film industry. Amazing. No one in the UK has been honoured for that specific title. Um, Charles Thompson Mm. received an MBE in 2011 for services Mm. to black world cinema, Mm. but for services to the black and minority ethnic film industry in the UK, I'm the only person that's been honoured for that. So, Wow. It's what, like what, insane. What, what did what did um, what did your predecessors like Charles and Melanick think about it? Have you have you guys spoken at all about this? To be honest with you, I've I've not received any congratulations from them. 
mm. for whatever reason. I never really thought about it since you've now mentioned it. Obviously, I got lots of congratulations from loads of other people. Okay. Um, mm. Thoroughly deserved, long overdue. Yeah. You've been doing this for a long time. Da, 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 da. So mm. it obviously gave me a lot of great satisfaction. Okay. Um, and then. I just kind of instinctively had to find a way to make this a public celebration. Yeah. Um, in keeping with the festival. Um, yeah. And obviously, this was before Corona. So, <laughs> COVID because they tell, yeah. they tell you the date when you're going to receive the medal. Yeah. Um, so, my date was the 5th of March 2020. Mm. And so I got that date in January. So Corona is not even on people's minds in January. No, no, no. It just came. It just swept in like late February and it, just yeah. quickly, quickly took over and just changed everything. Like yeah. two, three weeks, everything was changed. So literally, prior to all of that kicking mm. off, I was putting my guest list together of people to invite to mm. the party. Because when you get the kind of memo from Buckingham Palace. The f- one of the first things I noticed was they're not going to throw a reception. No. So no food, no drinks. So I thought, oh. It's, very cheap, it's a very cheap ceremony, isn't it? You just show up, you pick up the medal, and you walk away. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we had a pre-drinks reception when okay. we arrived there. Yeah. But after that, it was like, um, this is someone's house, don't forget. This yeah, is someone's true. house you're going to. So there's yeah. all of that. Um Ainsley Harriet got his MB on the same day as me. Yeah. Um, so it's surreal seeing him and his family. Um, and then Amazing. they were playing Disney's Frozen to the oh, audience. Oh, really? There's oh, come on. Classical music, you're hearing Frozen. <laughs> oh, it was one of those kind of very surreal um, experiences. And then getting my name pronounced correctly was also very surreal. But what I had noticed was when I arrived uh, at the palace, mm. there was an Asian guy um, oh. kind of signing me in, checking me mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. and he literally asked me, and you are, and I said, so what's your name say on the card? And I said, I'm Chukwemeka Anyamusigwe, but I've noticed that you've missed my name at Emmanuel. I said, it doesn't matter. Mm. Um, and he went away. And then another courtier took us to a glamorous, which you're getting to someone's house. You're going up all these marble steps and carpets and everything. Mm. But then you saw disinfectant in every other room. Mm. That's when kind of the coronavirus then became a real thing. So you have to wipe your hands. And I think two days before my investiture, there was a big story of the Queen doing, uh, giving out medal, wearing mm. gloves, mm, mm, mm. and and they were saying it's very rare, very rare for the Queen to wear gloves. But because of what was being talked about with coronavirus, yeah, that's when the oh was starting to like, uh uh-uh. It was about to, yeah, penny drops. Yeah, but then I was thinking, is the Queen going to honour me? Because even by then I hadn't known who was going to honour me so it's only when I got there that I realised that it was Prince Charles that was going to do it because they showed mm. us a video of mm. Prince Charles doing something similar and one of the courtiers said it's the Prince of Wales that's going to do it nice. and then they gave us the whole protocol you can't speak to uh, his Royal Highness until he speaks first 
Um, for the men, you've got to bow your head. For the ladies, you've got to curtsy. Mm. You've got to go forward two steps. Mm. Um, and then when he finishes talking, you need to bow your head, take two steps back. So it, it was all wow. protocol, protocol, protocol. Very, very. And then I think there were 100 people that were honoured that day and I was yeah. in the last group of people that were honoured with Ainsley and Ainsley was just typical Ainsley it was just making everyone laugh putting <laughs> everyone at ease it was great actually um, and then when we came out to the public um, so we were in the side entrance and then we could mm. see the audience mm. and then obviously I was looking for Claire who was there with me on the day mm. um, my brother-in-law was there mm. And also my cousin uh, godmother was there as well on the oh. day and I was able to see them on the side yeah. them a kiss and then oh. as it turned out when it was my turn to come up um, I remember the courtier there saying don't forget to um, bow your head otherwise you get a bash on the head what is the serious thing? But yeah. clearly they've done this so many times and they yeah, just know yeah. it's gonna put people's minds at ease. So they were yeah. great like that. And then obviously the moment came and then I heard the MC call my name, Chukumak Animasigwe. Mm. And I saw the same Asian guy mm. right at the back standing mm. next to the MC and it mm. occurred to me that he had had the word in his ear mm. to make sure that my name was pronounced correctly. Correctly, yeah, yeah. Because nice. I still had to hear that dead cock up. So I was I literally know. telling courtiers backstage, my name is Chukwe Mecca. He was not mentioned in manual. And he said, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the moment comes, I meet Prince Charles. He comes up to me, pins the medal on my jacket. And then it's only when Claire told me afterwards but out of the hundred people I was the one that he spent the most time with oh he spoke and to you and you guys had a chat this was like a 75 minute ceremony wow and I had the most time with Prince Charles so wow. literally wow. he came up to me and he said you know the Prince's Trust has supported a lot of black talent over the years people like David Yellowo and Idris Elba Mm. and see the work that you do and the work that you've done over the years and we just want to acknowledge you and recognise you in this way and uh, thank you for what you do Mm. I can't remember the rest of the conversation I think because I was just in complete shock Mm. that um, these people had followed Buff Mm. um, and were recognising me like this Mm, mm. and I was telling him about people that we've been championing like Noel Clark mm. and uh, Prince Charles was kind of like that's fantastic you know so mm. you're still continuing to support people and are you supporting young people and mm. I was telling him about some of the young emerging uh, talents that we've been supporting mm. and I mentioned that you know went to the Princess Trust Urban Music Festival Mm. Um, so I've been obviously following what you've done for young people as well so mm. Mm. and I, at that point he then bowed his head which meant I had to then take a step back because I mm. wanted to say more um, mm. and then that was it nice. and then 
we then had uh, I laid on a private function at the O2 hmm. I must have invited about 400 people nice. um, and about a third came Yeah, which I thought was a bit I thought more people would come but it became apparent because of Corona Oh, COVID, uh, that was COVID, COVID, COVID was already making its, its, its self known. Yeah, and, a lot of people couldn't make it because they had the flu. Um, yeah. And I just thought they were making excuses, but obviously mm. it then no. became apparent <laughs> that people were falling ill. Um, and because I shook Prince Charles's hand, mm. uh, a couple of weeks later, there was a story that Prince Charles had got coronavirus. And he got scared. I didn't. Um, but obviously I had to <laughs> tell someone but I told everyone that I shook his hand and everyone was getting shook thinking yeah, but, uh, right away from you sure I should be around you shouldn't you take a test <laughs> but at that time what they say to you is after three weeks yeah, you shouldn't yeah. really be um, should be clear really yeah. uh, susceptible so that was kind of my kind of uh, brief kind of brush with not death but you know just kind of being yeah. close to someone with COVID I think one good thing about what you've done so far is the fact that you guys constantly re- reinvent yourselves and um, what's the future like for, for, for Buff like what, what new things are we expecting from Buff in terms of not just Buff the festival but Buff like the, the empire because you've got a, the, the production company you've got yeah. the distribution side so what's in the future what's in the pipeline well Buff has always been kind of uh, self-reliant mm. uh, or just kind of relying on itself to sustain itself so to that extent the production company is where that part of the strategy comes in in terms mm. of uh, now that we've got a home on Apple there's not much of a uh, goal there or something mm. to aspire to anymore because mm. with, with a virtual home you're potentially there forever Sure. You know, do you need to think about a cinema again could mm. you do a hybrid which I know a lot of film festivals are thinking about now mm-hmm. but I guess for me I'm very content with the fact that Buff is now on Apple and it's it's a, one of the big companies you know Apple has got enough money to buy out all the other companies put together that's how mm. big Apple mm. is you've sure. got 2 billion users of an Apple device but from a content point of view um, they've got obviously more to do in terms of having enough properties um, to scale up to mm. the levels of Netflix and Disney Plus. Yeah. Um, but they can only do so much and obviously they've got their own strategy and their own motivations. But, mm. you know, for Buff, we're very content that we're in a very good place in terms of knowing that year in, year out, when the festival comes round, there's the potential for someone's film to be on Apple, mm. which is a big thing, you know, in mm. anyone's book. Mm. Um, and we were invited to be on Apple. No one can just end up there. You mm. have to be invited. You have to go through specific compliances as a filmmaker mm. from a quality point of view. Mm. Again, with Amazon, you don't have that kind of robustness. Yeah. Um, so to end up on Apple, you have to have done something pretty you know, unique, but because mm. of Buff and what we represent, we then shoulder that responsibility um, mm. so that the filmmaker doesn't have to financially. So normally a filmmaker would be paying in a region of 1,500 to 2,000 pounds. 
for the services that we offer in terms of getting the film up to Apple standard. Then you've got the marketing side of it, um, which again, a filmmaker doesn't pay for. Um, So there's a lot of benefits that filmmakers get from being part of Buff, especially now, but being part of Apple from a distribution point of view. Um, that's something that we're kind of looking to grow exponentially because the model is constantly changing in terms of distribution. Um, and obviously with COVID, there were a lot more people at home, uh, yeah. a lot more platforms we'll which yeah. for our content. Um, so for Buff, part of uh, the next part of the strategy is really developing our own content so that we don't have to rely too much on acquisitions. On yeah. Of others, I mean, we will always get content from others because of sure. what Buff represents. Sure, but I think where true growth lies with Buff is if we're in a position to then create our own content, tell our own stories, you know, mm. create our own ecosystem, which is what we've done to a larger extent with no shade in terms of the doors that that has opened. Yeah. So no reason why we can't produce more no shades uh, mm-hmm. more documentaries um, more short films um, last summer um, I also launched the finance scheme um, at the mm-hmm. heart of the pandemic um, inspired by George Floyd again but also triggered by the government's response to black creatives when they mm-hmm. launched the coronavirus insurance scheme mm-hmm. um, they also launched the self-employed scheme and it became quickly apparent that this wasn't going to benefit black creatives. Um, they were going to fall through the net. Uh, who was going to be there to help them? Of course, of course. So in that moment, I put my hand up, put my head above the parapet and literally said, I'm investing. I'm going to invest in black creatives. I'm going to use uh, my own money. I'm not going to wait for anyone. I'm going to mm. put myself out there and say, for all the years that black organizations have helped me, have mm. put me in the place that I'm in now, and for the black filmmakers, without their films, Buff would not be doing what it's doing. It's the very least that I could do to support those very same people. Wow. And that was the basis on which I launched that finance scheme. And in the course of a week, I got in excess of 120 applications from people. Wow. And not just first-time filmmakers, but people that are actually in the industry. Really? got major TV credits that have been in the industry for 20, 25 years. Wow. Literally asking me for help. I remember one person in particular reached out to me at half nine on a Friday evening, just when I was about to go to bed. And they put out five or six direct messages in my Twitter, kind of commending me on what I'm doing then telling me their life story, not life story, I'm kind of generalizing, but literally sure, sure. That it's taken them 13, 14, 15 years just to get their story, getting attention. Could I help? I was just dumbstruck. Yeah. By this and this is, someone, this is someone that you were aware of, someone that had a, what, like some level of fame. Yes. That- that, yeah. that brought them to your, to your attention. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And there, wow, were, there, wow, were other, wow. there were other people, other filmmakers who worked on big projects on on the BBC and other projects, literally asking for money. It's like, wow. obviously I can't help everyone. But sure, it sure. Was quite, it was quite a revelation to know that that one act mm. 
has yielded this outpouring of despair I think it is that's the best way I can describe it because you would think that these people could go to a BFI off the back of their CV Mm. and yet here they are coming to me I don't know whether I was their last resort or whether I was part of who they needed to raise money for their projects to this day I I won't know the answer to that but the fact that they reached out to me and I wasn't expecting that was a bit of a revelation. Um, That's but, crazy, man. You know, I in the end, I part financed about 23 projects. Oof, and wow. off the back of that, one uh, white film um, financier decided to support these projects as well with his own money, which mm. was fantastic. I've got a great relationship with that person now. Yeah. Uh, and we worked together on a lot of things, but he was just kind of inspired by the fact that here I was in an hour of need for black creatives, just mm. putting myself out there. And I didn't That's... need to do it. This is the other thing. I could have just carried on with Buff and just put Buff first and just be more selfish. I chose to use that money to support filmmakers and put them first. And I think a lot of people realised that you're just one of a kind. There's just no one like you in terms of what you're doing. You know, yeah. whatever you achieve in the future, you deserve everything because you put yourself out there on the front line, day in, day out. Yeah. It's a thankless job. There's not much money in it anyway. Yeah, which I'm aware of. But for me, there are there are so much greater benefits, you know, than money. But I firmly believe that the money will manifest in the end it just has to because Mm. i've been too consistent um and too successful Mm. because that's the best way i can describe the growth of the buff in the last five years and obviously a lot of that is down to claire who i met through buff yeah so arguably buff has yielded the greatest beneficiary which is my life partner (laughs) so you know it, it's amazing man i mean like go, going to going you know and i'll i'll tell the encourage the listeners to listen to the episode of claire where she described how you guys met the whole love story behind it all yeah. and uh how you guys have worked together to shape buff into what it is it's, sure. it's it, that that's a movie that's a movie in itself maybe yeah, a four-part it, series maybe it wasn't five parts. easy we, we've had fights about that <laughs> um, I won't even go into what I was about to say there, but yeah, ah, come on, man. do it, do it. No, I can't, I can't. I can't. Obviously, it's turned out well in the end, but at the time, yeah. it felt like you know, this yeah. is going to come crashing, crashing down. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because how are you even able to let her have such control? You know, because like you very well said, an entrepreneur, a visionary. This is your baby, and this woman shows up. And she's like, oh, I can help you do this. And you're like, how? Like, how is she able to convince you? From the very first day I saw Claire, because I invited her to our buff board dinner. Because mm. um, I heard her on the radio the day before. Mm. Uh, literally, um, I wasn't looking for a relationship. I was looking for sponsorship. So she was mm. talking about her business. Mm. And I, I said to her, could, could Prima sponsor buff? Mm. And she said, yes. I said, okay, great. We've got a dinner tomorrow night. 
Um, mm. So Sunday, Monday was the next night. Um, we've got a filmmaker from Canada who's, which we paid for, flown in. Um, you'll be able to meet members of the other team. And she said, great, I'll come down. So she came mm. down and obviously she must have been impressed because she saw all these people. Mm. Um, did, anybody, did anybody curtsy for her? <laughs> no. They, they didn't expect to, to be there because they didn't know that she was coming. Yeah, yeah. I invited everyone else, but Claire was a complete stranger to everyone. So I introduced Claire sure. to everyone yeah. as a potential sponsor for Buff. Yeah. Um, but obviously it became apparent that um, Claire was going to be more than that to me. Mm. Um, and so after all the guests left, um, we got to know each other. And obviously I told her my life story and she said, whatever happens, um, I will support you. Wow. Um, this was the so first... in that moment, she just said, I'm, I'm just here for you. I'll, I'll do what I can. I'm, I'm here to help. Mm. And that's what became, you know, the open invitation for her, or for me, to allow her to do mm. her worst. Uh, mm. It turned out that she did her greatest. You know, she, mm. Mm. she reimagined Bath. Um, she had... Uh, marketing expertise so she was able to see things that I couldn't see and as an entrepreneur you are naturally stubborn because you sure. always believe that right and that it's my way or no way so there was a lot of that in the early years yeah um, and I felt that Buff was kind of doing quite well because before I met Claire we just had the sponsorship from Channel 4 mm. so you know but you know there were I guess there were other parts of Buff that needed or could do with vast improvement or exposure or ways to make people care. So um, Claire set up a marketing company and used Buff as her first client. Um, And through that, Buff was able to attract a lot of coverage from your not normal outlets. So as I said earlier, the voice was always supporting Buff and various other places, but you had other outlets like The Independent and yeah. The Guardian starting yeah. to support Buff. Um, ITV, Channel 5, Sky, mm. BBC. Yeah. And it's all down to kind of Claire's kind of foresight. Um, Amazing. But, you know, obviously I was kind of vibing off of that and I raised yeah. my game as well. So, mm. you know, when it came to press releases, we worked very closely on drafting press releases you know, because it's it's very much a joint effort. It's not I anymore. Everything I say about Buff is we. It's me and her. You know. Yeah. yeah. And obviously, other people have been a part of that, but not as much as what Claire has brought to the table. And obviously, Claire's it's been a part of my life man. for seven years. Uh, yeah. Married for five. Obviously, every wow. other day, if we're not talking about Buff, you know, we're just talking about film. You know, because we mm. have such a such a passion for representation as well yeah you know we we feel it when our representation is misrepresented so in many mm. ways that's what drives us to kind of um do better with buff do better in terms of how we represent the discussion about black film yeah. and so i guess in that moment sky um, invite me now on a regular basis to talk not just about black film but yeah. about film in general just because of that passion and enthusiasm for 
the business of representation. Yeah. So in, in many ways, again, we started this by saying timing is everything, and I think everything has worked out the way that it has in mm. terms of the journey, the support, um, where Bath is, where I am in my life. Nothing is an accident, you no. know. But I guess it, it's all down to harnessing the environment and just utilising those advantages as early as possible. I cannot mm. repeat that uh, often enough, enough. Yeah. Uh, because I think everyone has that, um, everyone has that already. Mm-hmm. So for anybody listening to this podcast um, and feeling that they need to be inspired or feeling that they have got more to achieve um, or can't see a ceiling, Use your advantages. We all have them. You just got yeah. to identify them as early as possible and see how far it takes you. Well, man, more power to you, man. Like it's it's there's a lot of stuff that we've not covered. Um, well, that because that means we need to talk another time because it's just so much, so much stuff. Because you obviously you've got so much experience and so much uh, like adventures in life that people can learn from. So I hope we can get another time. And uh, to talk about all these things, you know, there's just so much stuff. So this next section, I call it the quick fire section, where I ask a quick question. You've got like less than five seconds to think of an answer. And then you give me a really short answer. And then we move on to the next one, because it's all about people getting to know about the lighter side of Emmanuel. But before that, I just want to say you're very necessary to this time and era. And everything you've done so far, everything you've done so far has meant a lot to so many people. And I remember when you said, you know, talking about your current conversations with the likes of Sky, how you say, why can we not care and talk about representation? And that's very true because the fact that people are not building tables is because they've not seen enough of themselves out there because they're not hearing people talk about the need to represent us mm. in media but the fact that you're out there talking about it it means you're actually staring the pot so mm. you know ball power to you you know keep doing it because thank you in the next 30 years there might be another emmanuel and it's just because you were on sky news and just because of buff so i hope so yeah yeah that's that's our prayer that's all we can pray for but, mm. but again just keep doing you sir that's amazing um so yeah let's go to the quick fire section i'm really excited about this bit as well so I'm going to ask you a few questions. One of them is, um, one of it might get you a bit frozen, but that's fine. Uh, it happens to everyone. Okay. <laughs> when we get to the question, I'll tell you. But let's start with the first one. What, so, care included? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but let's put it this way. Whenever I got to that question, it, it yeah, it really stops people. It really stops people. Some people take longer than others to answer. Some people just stop and like, ah, I'm not sure. I can't answer let me, that. Let me take a sip. Okay. Take a sip. Take a sip. Take a sip. Mm. Take a sip. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Let me start with the first one. What is your favorite word? Abundance. Abundance. Nice. Nice. And what is your favorite curse word? Ooh, favorite curse word. <laughs> Uh, favorite more context to. 
Nonsense. Nonsense. Ah, oh, that's very polite. You know, there's been, that's been some really yeah, nasty that's, ones. That's my parents because they brought us up by saying that swearing is a four-letter word. Uh, ooh, so they cleaned your mouth very early. They did. Oh, nice. That's, that's but good then on them. when it comes to the Igbo swear words, Oi, yeah, don't there's, even a, go there's, there. a, there's a few favourites there. Can I change my answer, actually? Oh, go for it, man. Why not? Um, ew. Ew, ew. That's like... That that will run people mad. That's like goat. That's like Yeah, but re- Ibo is idiot. Yeah, I know. But that's the thing. <laughs> I, it, well that gives me joy knowing that, but yeah. <laughs> that's crazy, man. That's it, very de- that's very demeaning. Um what was the last music you listened to? Uh last music. Uh, there's a track that Lavender plays on her iPad called Kabushi. Kabushi, really? Yeah, yeah. It's like Gangnam Style for children. Ah, okay. I need to check. Characters. So when when it comes on, we all put our hands in the air like we're at a concert and a rave. Oh wow, a rave for yeah. babies. Yeah. As I need to there's check that out. There's a lot of baby out. music in the house. Yeah. Ah, I can imagine. Mm. Um, what was the last book you read? Last book I read, the Bible. The Bible, awesome. What are you terrible at? Um, multitasking. What are you great at? Compassion. Right. So, who was the last person you had a coffee, drink, or meal with that inspired you? Uh, obviously this was pre-COVID um, mm. this shouldn't be hard but I can't actually yeah remember yeah alright let's, let's let's move on that's mm. not that's not the hard question it's the one that the hard one is going to come very soon okay. okay who's that one person you admire or respect that you'd like to actually have a coffee or drink with or brick bread um, living, living or dead living or dead uh, Rupert Murdoch Rupert Murdoch why um, I just love what he did in terms of disrupting uh, British media mm, mm. yeah that, that inspired me a lot um, mm. the launch of Sky yeah, uh, just how it just disrupted everything um, f- from the football to a 24 hour news channel um, branding way of life there was a lot of things that he did oh, that more than the newspapers which is obviously what he was known for first yeah but yeah through his launching of Sky I, I had a lot of respect Mm. For Rupert Murdoch, the entrepreneur, the businessman. Obviously, there's a there's other sides to Rupert, but for me, it's more the uh, business. Like, yeah, yeah. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. All right. That's 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 uh that's a good one. Um. Okay. Now, if you have one superpower, what would it be? Uh. I guess to live long. In- to live long, immortality, like a, yeah. like a vampire, without the blood sucking part. 
I, I, I don't see it like that, but yeah, <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> <laughs> no, because they they are the only they, they are the only fictional creatures that have longevity or like immortality, more or less. Ah, uh, um, yes, they do. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, so if a movie were to be made about your career and life, what would the title be? Ooh. That's this is the question. What would the title of my film be? Uh. Um, I was going to say Anchorman, yeah. um, but Anchorman is actually an acronym, so the, the title would be too long. Although, okay. having found out about Borat, because they used the full title of Borat's latest film, the mm-hmm. Oscar nomination, that's got about 11 words. That's but Anchorman yeah. um, stands for a Nigerian child, hysterically opportunist, Realizing mm. mass media is never ending. Oh wow, that will be a title. That yeah. will be a title. First of all, that's going to be a book, and then a film. Yeah, amazing. And who would you like to play you? Oh god, who? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. No. no. <laughs> okay. Don't know. The guy who played well. Um. For those people that have watched No Shade, our film, mm. Mm. Um, if you're paying attention to the film, because um, Claire's in the film, so she mm. plays the character of Carla, mm. and her husband's called Eddie. So mm. obviously the initials C and E. Obviously mm. that Eddie E is me. So ah. the, the guy who plays me in No Shade, if you mm. put us alongside each other, he looks like me. In, various mm. ways um, so he could play me potentially okay again in All the right. future um, yeah it could be anyone but uh, yeah I don't have any preference no okay so let's now go to the final question the final question is and take your time with this one what would you like the world to remember you for um being a man of conviction well I guess you are a man of conviction and I think to top it all up it's um, with what you've done with with Buff that's already a legacy that has already been created and we can only hope that things will get bigger and better for you from here on and we can also hope that with the whole conversation and diversity there's more opportunities for all of us in this space because We've got many stories to tell, and people like you championing the the course. It can only get better. So it's good to know you, my friend, and um, I hope to hear more and more of your great works as the years go by. On that note, I'd like to say again, big thank you for your time. It's been really appreciated, and um, again, I can't wait to have another conversation with you on this. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You know, the interesting thing about having vision and seeing it come to fruition is um how much lives and 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 uh you know the legacy that you live behind and how many lives you affect along the way it's not about money it's just about just seeing people being touched like the amount of people that have um you know started careers and and have 
seeing the films shown to so many people because of Emmanuel's commitment to his vision is it's inspiring and i hope you guys are inspired by this episode to just go out and do whatever it is you want to do in life and stick to it and above all keep safe man these are crazy times so thanks again for tuning in and until next time this has been the old